You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So now Posey ranges away, and throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Okay, it's Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys. Let's go. It is episode two and things are rolling with the Giants. You can't quite put it, uh, put a cap on the road trip yet and say seven and three because they got this funky one day Monday deal uh, in Milwaukee, but uh, a great series sweep for the Giants. They had to throw a bullpen game in there. They're able to navigate that and more of those are coming. So we'll get into that for sure. But last year, if there was a criticism of 107 wins and I don't really understand how there could be, but if there was, uh, you know, people said, well, you know, you got fat on bad teams like the D-backs and Rockies and they did. But I've always thought a definition of a good team is the one that gets fat on the bad teams. And so Washington has that look, bad team. Giants did exactly what they were supposed to do. It was a get-right series for them, Mark. I mean, they pitched, they hit, they played great defense. Everything was clicking. I love what I'm seeing right now from this team. And it seems like even though a guy goes down today, Yastrzemski gets put on the COVID list, Jock Peterson steps up. I mean, has Jock just been... Such a great shot in the arm for this team. He's got, I believe, five jacks right now. He's batting well over 350. And he just looks like a perfect San Francisco Giant. And I'm just, I'm loving where they're at right now. Once again, you know, we 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 yell and scream, go get this guy for 75 mil. Go get this guy for 125 mil. And Farhan's like, I'm going to get him for six. And, uh, and, and here he is right there among the league leaders. I know it's obviously early. But yeah, Jock Peterson, his smile, his swag. That's working. What's working most of all, though, uh, Joe, I, I, I tell you what, I am amazed. Um, I'm not a stat guy, but sometimes when there's a stat and it just hits you in the face, you're like, hold, hold on, we got to talk about this. This ball club now in 16 games has given up seven home runs. You are getting less than a homer every two days against this pitching staff. Let me tell you something. That is just a very, very simple recipe for success. Keep the other team from hitting the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about the starting pitching and how good it's been this year. What about this bullpen? Mark, this bullpen has a like 175 ERA through three weeks of baseball. And they face some pretty good teams. Like, I'm telling you, the Mets are going to be there at the yeah. end. The Padres are going to be there. You don't think that's a good lineup with Nelson Cruz and Juan Soto? Like, I'm sorry, like those those guys got some hitters in there. So I love where they're at right now. What's crazy about this is Disclafani's given up the most earned runs this year. You know who's number two? Logan Webb. No and way. Logan Webb 
is is still pitching really good. And he said in post game, you know, I just don't have my best stuff. Oh, look out if he doesn't have his best stuff. Um, I, I tell you what, yeah, he, um, you know, he he gave up uh, the home run in uh, in game three of that series, uh, which obviously, I mean, it's going to knock the stats a little out of whack. Um, but I, I think outside of that game in New York, Logan looks like himself, mm. true horse backed up by Rodon. I mean, all, you know, keeping the ball in the ballpark. And then let me throw one more at you. Um, three walks in the whole series. Mm. So, I, I mean, it's to the point where you start to wonder, okay, what exactly is the, the secret sauce? Because that series, 22 strikeouts against three walks, only seven home runs in, in 16 games. I, I I don't I don't necessarily even know exactly what to point to that leads to stats like that because they're unbelievable. But the pitching staff from top to bottom, even with the injuries to the starting staff right now, the pitching staff is is flat out dominant. And what we know about baseball, that may not be where the flash is, but if you pitch like that, my gosh, you, I mean, they're going to win a lot of games with numbers like that. And they have a multiplicity of arms. We've talked so much about the bullpen. They showed some guy on Friday, Junis. I never even heard of the guy. He's getting three different pitches over for a strike on first pitch counts. Like, it's it's incredible. Let's talk about Alex Wood for a second. You know that since he was acquired, there are five guys that have more wins in baseball. Their teams have more wins in baseball than just Alex Wood and the San Francisco Giants. And one of them happens to be his teammate, Logan Webb. That's how good this guy has been for the San Francisco Giants. We talked so much about Rodon, and obviously we talked about Logan. Alex Wood has been outstanding for this team, and it goes under the radar. Love this signing from Farhan. He looks really good early on. Okay, that said, while we're on the starting pitching, and then we'll get to the unwritten rules thing, which has now come up twice already in just 16 games with the Giants. But uh, while we're on the starting pitching, uh, in a stretch like this where they're the off day they were supposed to have Monday turns into a one-day trip to Mm -hmm. Milwaukee, Uh, then you got the A's, and then you're right back on the road again, and you're starting to get into the real meat. Uh, yes, you do have uh, you do have Washington coming in this weekend, but right back on the road against the Dodgers and then St. Louis, Colorado, some big time teams, some division mates, and you've got Desclafani on the injured list, Cobb on the injured list. It's great that Webb and Wood and Rodon are doing their thing, but how does the starting rotation handle this with two fifths gone? It's I think it's a great question. I mean, are we going to get a chance to see Tyler Beatty's last stand? Is uh, that is that I, I know I can't believe we're actually there. Sammy Long, you know, for a couple innings here and there, I think he can be a band-aid. I don't think he's a long, you know, long-term solution. Do they make a under the radar trade or an acquisition? I, I don't ever rule that out with Farron. He loves day trading on the back end of that roster. Um, but I think you're gonna see this Junis guy, and I think you're gonna see Sammy Long get an opportunity, even if it's just like two or three innings to start a game, get through that lineup one time. Like right now, they got the hogs, and, and good for, good thing that they do because they're gonna need these other guys, and then eventually down the line, Carlos Martinez. We got to see where this guy's at because we might need him. And Matthew Boyd, don't forget Matthew Boyd by midseason. I mean, they 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 planned for this. I just don't think they planned for this two weeks in. No. You know, so they may have to be uh, a little patchwork for a little while. A um, couple other issues in this series. Obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about the Padres and the unwritten rules flap. Mm that took place in week one. Here it comes again. Davey Martinez didn't dance around it. 
said the team was absolutely ticked off and it was centered around Tyro Estrada uh, stealing and then trying to take extra bases in the ninth inning of a seven to one game. Uh, again, for me, Gabe Kapler comes up with the point that ends all other points, which is we scored seven runs in one inning in that game. We scored seven runs in one inning. Why can't you score seven runs in one inning? Joe, I, I know we're sitting here on a Giants podcast and people are going to take it a certain way. I, I, but I just, I don't, I don't get it. I'm so done with this. Th- these, are, these are professional athletes making bajillions of dollars. And we are supposed to tiptoe around uh, having a big lead uh, to preserve their feelings. Is that really what we're talking about here? Feelings of big league athletes? Pros, pros at, at the highest level of competition. And let me check the notes. You said it uh, in a game where the Giants scored seven runs in one inning. Like the, here's the thing that drives me nuts. I'm watching that game and, and I'm watching Estrada. There's two outs. He decides he's going to take off because no one's covering the bag. It just so happens they hit a little bloop single into kind of the Bermuda Triangle, if you will. He doesn't even stop. He's just going to come all the way around. He still gets thrown out at home. Totally. And then for some reason, it goes to commercial break. We come back and Estes is like, hey, the Nats took umbrage with it. I'm like, here we go again. And as he's showing the replay, Juan Soto is – chopping a ball down to Brandon Belt and running like he is going to take out Bo Jackson at first base. And I'm saying to myself, well, wait a minute. So you're up six and the game should be over, but Juan Soto's still playing hard. Are we supposed to play hard? I can't keep up with this bingo card of when I'm allowed to try hard and when I'm not. It, it's it's driving me insane, and I love that Kapler has his teams back. Yeah, it's, it is it is simple. It's as simple as that for me. If one side's trying, the other side's trying. But let's go bigger picture for a second. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you believe that this could end up in a bad spot? The Giants right now are on track at some point this year to be the most hated team in baseball. So what? I mean, like, I'm at the point now where, like, the formula is how they're going to win. Like, we're not the Dodgers. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is – we're going to win in the margins. And here's where the true litmus test will be. When the Giants are up seven, eight, nine runs on a team and someone does that to them, I want to see if they hold – firm and i think they will but i, I want to no see them doubt. hold firm to their convictions about how they say hey we have no problem with someone else doing it you know what here's the thing i would say to people you don't like it get them out like i'm sick of hearing about these crybabies this is not my third grade little league team all right one soto's looking for 400 million bucks boo-hoo if you don't like estrada trying to steal a bag up six in the ninth get over yourself it's a classic argument right like you'll hear someone say what example are we setting for younger athletes it's like well uh, first of all, there are differences in youth sports uh, yes. and, and professional sports. And second of all, if what you're really worried about is setting an example for young athletes, then arguing, fighting, yeah. throwing balls at one another on the field, probably not the example you want to set. I just think it, this is a spot where we take pro sports and take it to a very not fun place where oh. it, like it's like nobody nobody is doing anything to you. A player started running towards exactly. second base. Like to take that personally, I just, I don't know. This is another area where I've started to build up quite honestly, quite a bit of pride in the fact that Gabe Kapler is the manager of this team. I think he's captured the emotion perfectly. And I think he pushes the envelope in an innovative way. Yes. And this is another one of those examples. And I really hope that this actually leads to some change with the way baseball players look at their own game. 
You know, it's interesting. I heard from somebody you know, yesterday. They go, you know, in the era of player empowerment, isn't it kind of nice where everyone's load managing and not playing and trying to strategically screw you out of your buck when you pay for a ticket, you know, with your family? Wow, what a novel concept. You're playing all the way through when I show up. That's what I want as the consumer. I want to see these guys batting in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning with stakes on the line. So I actually love it, and I want to see more teams employ it. The other issue that comes out of this series, though, for sure, is a guy that we, you know, we did in our last episode. We did three up, three down, and one of our up was Joey Bart because we've been very excited with the way that he's been able to handle the pitching staff, excited by some of the pop that he's shown, already getting the ball over the fence a couple of times. But let's also call this what it is. My gosh, man, he's been a strikeout machine. Uh, the numbers up to the minute, 21 strikeouts in 43 plate appearances, and that's just that's plate appearances, right? If you're just talking about at bats, he's striking out in over half of his at bats. I know that the strikeout is not what it used to be, and we accept it more on a different level. But at the same time, um, you know, it it, it starts to feel. Um, I'll tell you. I'll put it this way: I, I I immediately start to see why the Giants are batting him ninth um, whenever they put him out there. It feels like they kind of knew that this was coming, that he's a guy that was going to strike out a lot. Well, you know, he's got 16 just the last seven games alone, right? Yep. The batting average is under 100 in the last seven games. So he's not squaring the ball up. There, there's just no other way to, to, to put it. He's, he's not putting the ball in play. He's getting overpowered. But I'm going to pump the brakes. This is a young player. This is two and a half weeks in. You know, he's caught pretty much every day, but I believe two games thus far. Maybe he's got a little adjustment that he needs to make to the rest of the league. Let's see where he's at at the end of the month. And if it's still an issue, I think then we can maybe kind of come with a resolution. But right now, I think he needs and has earned the opportunity to keep going out there and try to break this streak. And maybe it'd be nice to just, you know, bust out with a two for four game or a three for five game. That would be really good for him. Well, you, you do wonder where this is headed. Uh, there's been much conversation about Joey Bart not being a Farhan Zadi draft pick and the fact that Farhan came in and with his first rounder in his first year grabs Patrick Bailey, so he's got another catcher on the come. Now, uh, that's fine, but I, they don't have any other options this year. Yeah. Uh, this year, they do not have any other options, so it's one of those things that you're just going to have to ride out and, and, like you said, throw a little patience at it Mm -hmm. uh, we know they love to develop at the major league level. So you keep working with them and you see what you can get out of Joey this year. And if it's good catching and home runs here and there and a 210 average, it's not the end of the world. Uh, yeah. Not in this baseball. It used to be. But we know batting average isn't the thing anymore. Yeah. Um, and then and then you see where it goes from there, you know. But I, I just think this is what you're, you're right about the patience, especially this year. Because I don't, I don't know exactly where it is the Giants are supposed to turn if Joey Bart's not their main guy back there. I mean, we have to see what this card is. Like, we have to flip this thing over and just kind of let it play itself out. The other thing that I would say is this is kind of just a streaky team. I, I think a couple of these guys are going to frustrate fans. Brandon Belt's been a streaky player throughout his career. Brandon Crawford has been a streaky player throughout his career. Yastrzemski up and down in, in the early season. Ruff's in a deep abyss right now. Like, this is not exclusive to just Joey Bart, but it doesn't look good. And you can't defend it when it's been this overwhelming. Do you know what's wild, though? We sit here and worry about the hitting. Do you know off the top of your head how many teams in the major leagues have scored more runs than the Giants this year? Do you know the answer? No, I don't. What is it? Two. 
Two teams have scored more runs than the San Francisco Giants this year. One of them is the Mets, and they've played one more game. And the other one is, yeah, you guessed it. I don't even need to tell you. It's the Dodgers. The Dodgers and the Giants already have the two best records, uh, or I should say two best run differentials in baseball, again, just, just like they did last year. Yeah. You know, real quick while we're on the subject, I'm more concerned with Darren Ruff than Joey Bart right now. Mm. I, 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 they need Ruff. I think Ruff is more important to what they want to do this year. I actually, I'm cool with Ruff. I think, you know, if okay. you go back a couple of weeks, man, that guy has had a lot of hard hit outs. Yes. He's got, I think he's gotten oracled a few times mm-hmm. in left center field. I know it doesn't look as good as it did last year. They're asking for more of him this year. Yeah. Um, I still, I, I still think we're looking, uh, we're, we're looking for some good things from, uh, from Ruff this year. Um, all right. With, the Butcher Boy, Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. It's Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you are subscribed to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, a couple things to get into that are a little bit off the map that are interesting this week. We were talking earlier, and I think we will all year long, talk about the lack of the big signing. You and I were on the same page uh, with one particular free agent we really, really wanted before the season started, Seiya Suzuki. Part of me feels silly for feeling the way I did because it's not like we'd ever seen him play before. He never played in the bigs. But, I saw a two-minute cut-up. Right, I saw a two-minute cut-up, and I was like, that's the guy I'm throwing $100 million at. Remember, uh, remember the pre-draft of Darko Milicek? I'm like, yes. he, he made three shots in Europe, and we're just seeing him on a loop, and we're like, he's amazing. He never misses. So, so it's the same thing here, but he fit the profile, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, we've watched a lot of people make that overseas jump. And, uh, and do really well with it, obviously. Mm-hmm. So um, so we knew the Giants wanted him, and they did. Story comes out in The Athletic this week that goes a little bit deeper into why Seiya Suzuki didn't come. And it's something I try to remind everybody all the time. Like, when are the Giants going to sign a free agent? we got to remember the free agent's got to want to come. Yeah. And, and this one wasn't about balls dying in the heavy air of Oracle Park. Apparently, it was widely reported in Japan when Mayor London Breed in December declared a state of emergency in the Tenderloin because of drug issues, crime, homelessness. This was widely reported in Japan. Suzuki wants a urban lifestyle, lived in Tokyo, um, so he doesn't want to go live in Lafayette like a lot of giants do in the East Bay. And so the thought now is that this family guy chose Chicago over the Giants 
because of the city of San Francisco, which that's a new one for us. Well, this one hit home on a variety of levels. Number one, like Chicago's a world-class city like San Francisco is, is deemed, but it's been a very dangerous place for many, many years. It leads a lot of murder statistics uh, across the country. So the fact that now San Francisco is considered more dangerous than Chicago, that one hit my soul. I know you're a local boy. I'm yeah. a local boy. I love my city. Mark, how many times have you and I had a cell phone conversation where I'm like, I can't believe what I just saw on the street. He's not wrong. It's a sad indictment. And here's the part that's frustrating as a Giants fan. Now the community is part of the reason on why the team can't land a free agent. It's not the park itself. It's not the money. It's not the team that they've built. It's not the ownership being, you know, a penny pincher. No, no. Now you're saying the community is the reason that this person wouldn't want to come here. That really hurt my soul, man. And and it speaks to how bad things are in the downtown area. I don't want to turn this into political geo, you know, um, podium here, but it just this is a hard one to swallow on a variety of levels for me. Well, I agree with you. And it's also a hard one to swallow because by the way, uh, he's got an eleven eighty OPS. Uh, that's the other thing, man. He's crushing it. He's crushing it. And he would he would have looked so good. And I think that it's a fair point just from this standpoint. You're right. Let's not get into politics, but let's say this uh, forever. uh, And whether this is the Giants, the 49ers, the Warriors, whatever, we look at this city as a strength when it comes to free agent recruiting. You know what I mean? Like we talk Mm -hmm. about uh, NBA, you got to go to a major market. You got to have facilities. You got to have all of that stuff in place. And, you know, we've watched players like Hunter Pence, come in and just fall in love with the city and fit perfectly Gabe Kapler too, even though that's not a player. I I, I just, that's why it stings. You know, it's the first time I think that I can remember where that really became a story where somebody didn't want to come because of the city, because of the market, as opposed to that being a strength. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that'll become a trend. Um, It looks like this guy looks at things a little bit differently than most players mm-hmm. who are just going to be motivated by the money. But this one was, he was looking for a place to live as much as a team or the right contract. And so, uh, yeah, that's a new one. That's a new one. And Mark, look, I mean, we all want our community that we live in to be safe and deemed safe by others and forget the beauty and all the different things that are there. And you want to have civic pride just at its, at its basic nature. And when you hear these things, it's hard for me to drum up a counter argument because I think there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. And it really hurts me to my soul because this is the city I love more than any other. And I don't have a counterpunch to this argument. I, I really don't. I mean, that said, um, I think this 11 and five start now begs the question only 11 and five, but it's mm-hmm. 10% of the season. And here we go again. It does beg the question that we were asking all off season because I thought this was the year that they were going to splash. Me too. They they didn't. And so now we're like, well, okay, Longo comes off the books. Maybe next year will be the year that that he's going to splash. Is he just never going to splash? And and does he have the ammo now to say, why would I? Look at the way we're doing it and it's working. I think they're in a good spot. And, and here's why I think they're in a good spot right now. They've got a war chest of money. They've got tons of room to, to do whatever they want in free agency. And I think that they've got a war chest of farm prospects that are desirable. It's not about one or two prospects. Do you have enough prospects in the system so that you can swing deals for guys with one, 
two years left on their current deal before they hit uh, you know, ultimate free agency because then you can buy out some of those arbitration years. I think they're in the best of both worlds. I, I thought that they were going to be a player for Jose Ramirez, quite frankly, and obviously he signed an extension with the Guardians. But those are the kind of guys that I think they'll be in the mix for. Lindor, who we saw with the Mets. The Mets didn't sign him as a free agent. They traded him while he had a couple of years left, the Guardians did, and then the Mets gave him a mega deal. I think the Giants will be in the mix with one of these guys, whether it's this year or in the offseason. They're going to spend. It's just the right guy hasn't presented itself. Yeah. Well, and I, if there is a silver lining to the story, it's that the Giants were in it, and they went yeah. hard, and they wanted to They wanted to spend. They, they, they said they were not given an opportunity to match the offer from the Cubs, so I don't think it was about money. Uh, again, I think with these guys, it's always about uh, the, the DNA of the deal. You know, if this yeah. if this is um, if this is going to be a player that's in his 20s, if this is a player that fits on all levels, I, I, I still think that they'll go in. It's just they have a very, very specific list of boxes that need to get checked before they'll go after a guy. And then even when they do, that guy may say no. Yeah. Well, and if you ask me right now, hey, Joe, what do they need? What's the one I would say just a right handed power bat? who maybe can play corner infield long-term or one of the corner outfield spots long-term. Like, that's what I'm looking for. That's why Suzuki, I thought, was a good fit. Right-handed hitter, great defender. So, I don't know, but that's what I'm looking for. What are you looking for if they could swing kind of a deal? Like, I'm not saying a player, but what are you looking for in general? Well, I, I, I mean, I think what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense. Obviously, they may counter with the, uh, the idea that um, a player like that may come up in the system. You know, yeah. they've got a yeah. lot of guys now. True. I mean, they, what you just described, you just described who they think Marco Luciano is going to be. <laughs> yes. But but nobody wants to wait two years and then let's see if it actually works out and we got to yeah. build up and get better. I, I, I get all that. I just think that because of the hitters' decisions repeatedly to not come to San Francisco, whether it's ballpark, the city, whatever it is, um, I think they're going to have to, and, and I think Farhan knows this, they got to bring them up through the farm and they got to get them at the deadline. It's exactly yeah. what they did last year. And so, yeah. you know, if they, if they pitch the way they are right now, um, they're, they're going to be in it at the deadline. And, and, and the guy that you just described, whoever it is, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll go get them. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And look, this guy's smart. <laughs> I mean, as much as I get frustrated at the, the inactivity, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, I'm just watching this team and I'm like, dude, this team is, they got holes on certain days, but they consistently win. And isn't that what we want? A consistent winner? I mean, it's the proof's in the pudding, Mark. Totally. Absolutely. And speaking of which, what that ends up doing is uh, it leaves uh, the captain as uh, as their guy again in, uh, in Brandon Belt. He cooled off a little bit this mm-hmm. week, but all in all, Things are still looking really strong with him so far. The average is only 236, but the OPS is up at 882. He's got four home runs, which is only behind Jock on the team. Uh, steady as she goes. Brandon Belt is, uh, is, is doing another solid job. Scared me a little bit for a second when he slid into second base. Oh, my goodness. Right? on uh, Right oh, yesterday, on Saturday's game, he slides into second base and he stayed down for a minute. And I went, oh, here we go. You know, there, there, there goes the captain, but, uh, but he is fine and, uh, and played again on Sunday. And it's just interesting because uh, we're getting into a conversation, you and I and our producer, Sam Loveman, 
And uh, the, the comment gets made, boy, he just, he has a completely different look about him in the last, you know, in the last year and a half than he ever mm-hmm. had before. And I go, does he, or is that just a result of our perception of him has changed? The numbers have changed. Like, and, and, and even just that idea, we've fallen into this trap with a bunch of giants, Brandon Crawford too, sometimes even Buster Posey. We don't like the look on their face. And it, we don't, we don't like the, the, the way that they move. And I, I, I wonder if because of that, is that why the belt wars started that we just don't like the way the body language, because I'm not convinced that that body language ever meant anything. Well, I mean, if we were going bad body language Hall of Fame, he would be on a short list in Bay Area history. Although, I mean, he's a good player, good to great player at times. But like Willie Cauley Stein's on this list and he's a nobody. You know what I'm saying? And I don't even feel like it's fair putting them in the same sentence. I mean, one guy's had an 11, 12 year career in multiple World Series. The other guy was here for like five minutes. We couldn't wait to send him on BART. But uh, here's the thing with Bell. I, I think it boils down to this first base for the San Francisco Giants is a glamour position. You know, Orlando Cepeda and Willie McCovey and then Jack the Ripper at times and then Will Clark came in there and JT Snow. And I just think that Giants fans have a disproportionate expectation of what the the players should look like. And when they see a six-foot-five guy go up there and he's not the most aggressive swinger, I think it's kind of us – expecting him to be swinging out of his shoes like Vladimir Guerrero did in his prime when that's just not who the player is. He's a discerning baseball player. I think it's us, not him. Well, it's fascinating though, too, because let's think all the way back to the famous video that started his career, you know, when Bolch is looking at him, you know, you want a beer and, 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 (laughs) and he's crying. And I'm, and, and somehow that guy, the guy who was crying because he Mm. made the giants, and has been in a Giants uniform ever since and a homegrown player, that guy has now been branded as unemotional and without care. And it's yeah. like, I just don't, you know, I don't think that's who he is. This captain thing that has developed, I think the way he delivers it with a dry sense of humor really shows kind of who he is as a person. Yeah. And um, and I just, I'm a big believer, man. This is This is the highest levels of the high in pro sports. You don't do what he's done. You don't have that kind of success. You don't get that kind of a contract extension. Uh, you you don't put up these kind of numbers unless you are incredibly dedicated. This guy hit 29 home runs last year in limited duty. And and somehow there are Giants fans questioning how much he cares. That's kind of that's kind of off to me. Well, you know what's interesting is that I think there are certain players for certain teams in certain generations that never get their just due until years after they've gone away from the team. Think Jeff Garcia. Did we ever give Jeff Garcia enough love as a 49er player? Not really in real time. We had to wait till he was gone and we saw a bunch of bad players after him. It was like, you know. That Jeff Garcia wasn't too bad, you know? John Brody for my dad's age group, you know? So I just look at Brandon Belton. I think he's going to be one of those guys. We're going to look back and go, dude, he was way better than we remember. And we didn't give him the appropriate love in real time. So that's why I'm, I'm a convert. I'm late to this party, Mark. I freely admit. Yeah. I was always anti belt He's kind of won me over. And there's nothing that I can do to people that don't like belt anymore. There's nothing I can say to have them get one over. I'm like, look at the guy he's balling right now. 
Love your point about a glamour position. Like Jeff Garcia, we didn't love it that much because it was Joe Montana and Steve Young before him. And, exactly. um, you know, first base for the Giants, it was Will Clark and JT Snow. And and it's like, yeah, you're going to you're gonna come be that guy. And, uh, I mean, now he's absolutely at least reached a point where we'll look back at him the same way we would JT Snow, especially because of the longevity and the championships. Mark, people act like he's J.R. Phillips, Desi Wilson, and Mark Carrion. I'm like – yeah, he's had an 11-year career. Like, he's a good to great player on a given day. He's not poor. He's a very good player. He's going to be on that wall of fame someday. So I I've just given in, and I just appreciate the player. And what he's done in the back end of his career has made me like the, the person even more than the player. All right, before we get into our top storylines that we're looking at here for the season as we sit right now, I want to let you know that you are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Make sure you're subscribed and share the podcast with your friends too. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, hell of a week, man, because uh, here come the Oakland A's mm -hmm. and, uh, and they come at, at such a topsy-turvy time for that organization with everything that's going on with their argument about the stadium and whatnot and just unbelievable fan numbers uh, or, or the lack thereof. Um, but now here comes a two-game set at Oracle Park mm -hmm. and I got to feel like they're going to be more A's fans in the building simply on Tuesday night than there have been in Oakland and all of their games combined like this. You're not going to get a true state of the rivalry by looking at those stands now with what's happening, but maybe you will on Tuesday. That's an opportunity for an A's fan to go to a game where they don't have to worry about John Fisher for a second. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the A's haven't been great, but nine and eight, they're not terrible overachieving mm -hmm. as usual. Mm -hmm. Like this is going to be some hot energy in the building on Tuesday and Thursday night or Tuesday and Wednesday night. You know, it, it's it's interesting how it always seems to to shake down like that. Like, it always feels like whether one of the teams is out of it and the other team's really good or if they're both decent, it does feel like it's the A's World Series since, you know, since the Giants have been in AT&T Park. It always feels like this series is their World Series. That's not a knock on A's fans, but I feel like they take a lot of pride in trying to take that stadium over they try to i'm not saying that they do it but huh. they try to and you have a lot of relationships you know man and woman the guy's a giants fan the woman's an ace fan or vice versa and so i think it will be a lot of fun and a lot of interesting what what's sad to me is i do think that a lot of the air has been let out of the balloon over the last couple of years with the a's and giants and i feel more pity than i do any anger or rivalry in a sporting sense just because of everything that's been going on with them you know, it's interesting, though. You're making me think of something that happened last year. And looking back on it, 
you know, we weren't all the way there as far as COVID stuff. And and maybe to a degree, we we still aren't. But I feel mm-hmm. like now, you know, you can fill a stadium and uh, and most of the people are just, you know, kind of carrying on with normal behavior. Last mm-hmm. year at this time, the A's come to Oracle Park and uh, and it was a few weeks into the season. And it was one of the first I think it was the first series where they said capacity crowd is allowed. And it was the A's that were coming smart to do it. Obviously the place yeah. was jammed and I'll, I'll never forget it because I went to that game and uh, I did not go on a credential. I wanted to make sure that I was sitting out in the stands. And so we got a spot for that game and went out there with a few friends and, uh, and it was an emotional night, man, because it was just like, Hey, we, we I remember this, you know, we can do this. And, Two really good teams. Sean Maniah was throwing for the mm. A's, right? The big lefty was going. Pitchers duel. Giants won. It might have been the night. I'm trying to remember if it was the night that uh, that they won in extra innings. Uh, Duggar uh, with, oh, yeah. uh, with, with, with that game winner, right? Like, I, I think that was the one, if I'm remembering correctly. But it was really a blending of a bunch of different emotions. The energy of the Giants-A's rivalry, which felt in that moment like it was still very alive combined with oh my gosh i'm in a full building for the first time in yeah you know a year and a half it's 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 kind of crazy because if you look back a year ago olsen chapman mania who you referenced like i mean and and they're all gone i mean it's it's torn down to the studs the thing that i always think of when when the a's come to town now especially with farhan how much of the Oakland A's way of doing business has he incorporated with the San Francisco Giants mm-hmm. and what has he not incorporated from the Oakland A's like what are the because we talked about like he's gonna spend money now he's got a war chest I still feel like he's been very discerning he spent money but he's been very discerning in still operating similarly well think about it like this this would just be my guess um think about the way that you would go grocery shopping when you were in college Right. And in college, you still got to eat. I think we love food, but you're like, okay, I got 12 bucks. You know, let's go see what I can do. And this is why people eat top ramen, or, you know, you find a way and you have your process, Mm -hmm. but it's got all these limitations on it. Well, flash forward a handful of years later, you got a job and you still love to cook and you still love to eat and you're like, well, I'm going to use the same process. There's still the same taste buds, still the same things I like. Ah, but now if I need to go do a $150 grocery trip, no problem. It's just, I think that that's probably the way I'd love to ask him that question, but that's probably the way that he would describe it. It's the same process, sprinkle in resources. Mm, okay. I like that. No, it's just, it's the thing that I always think about because we can't deny the results with the Oakland A's. They have been to the playoffs countless times and it does feel like they reset their roster every four years or so, but the guy can identify, develop, and then nurture talent like no other. I mean, that's what their blueprint has been. I'm just dying to see it with the San Francisco Giants. And we got a little taste of, of Ramos. We're seeing a little bit with Joey Bart, even though he wasn't Farhan's hand selected guy. These next, you know, 16 months, 18 months, I am so excited for all these prospects. I did blend two games, by the way. We got the info now. The okay. first game of the Giants A series last year, a 2-0 win for the Giants. I think Casali had a homer. It was the okay. second game 
that was the 6-5 win in 10 innings with the Duggar walk-off, and then the A's get, uh, grabbed game three. <laughs> so uh, that's what that looked like last year in a series to remember. Uh, we'll see what this one looks like. But the other thought that goes through my head, and I hate saying this out loud, I mean, could this be the beginning of the end for this rivalry? Like, what, what, what happens if the A's aren't here anymore in a couple more years? You know, it, it's something that I've thought long and hard about. Um, when when the Raiders took off, I went to the final battle of the Bay between the Niners and the Raiders on a Thursday night, and Derek Carr got sacked 8,000 times. It was sad. It was like going to a funeral, you know what I mean? Like, it was really sad to see that rivalry go away. Here's something that I've been thinking about, though, and this is just kind of parlaying this. Even if they move away, could there ever be a reality where we do away with the American and National League now that we have a uniformity of the DH? Is there ever a time that you maybe see big pods, like you would just combine the AL and NL West, and it would be like a Southwest division where you'd hop on a plane and that's who, the, that's who this entire division is, and maybe the A's, even if they move to another area – or in the Giants' division? Do you ever foresee something like that happening? I, I almost feel like, I mean, this may feel like a cop-out, but I almost feel like I could foresee just about anything. I mean, we're, we're, we're sitting here. We've got a DH. Uh, right. Just last week, we watched the NBA have what was called a play-in tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're watching all of these leagues have additional uh, playoff teams. So, um, could we get to that point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think the NFL has gone through that at times where they're like, hold on a second. Uh, does it make sense for us to have divisions? And, um, you know, you, you'll have one division that's really bad. Remember the Seahawks, the oh, beast yeah. mode game, they host a game at seven <laughs> and nine. Right. If stuff like that starts happening, I mean, quite frankly, the biggest reason for what you're saying, um, is what happened to the Giants and Dodgers last year. Exactly. The fact that you got you got two teams at a buck 06 and a buck 07 playing in a short round in the first round. And by the way, the Dodgers had a winning game just to even get there. I mean, that gets rid of the wild card. But if we get to a point like that where divisions are making it feel preventative um, and they market their players better and you want those players to be seen mm-hmm. all across the whole schedule yeah i could totally foresee that happening someday i just keep going back to like college football so regional you know and the nfl so national i would embrace the regionality and man could you imagine you get the angels and the dodgers in a back-to-back la like a week you know then you go down to san diego you fly up to seattle maybe the a's are in vegas maybe they're in oakland i don't know you get those i mean that would just be a lot of fun and it's just something i've been thinking about a long time that I feel like now with the universal DH, we're one step closer. It's still probably five to 10 years with me. It, it took us, what, 50 years to get the DH in the NL? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, um, maybe in my lifetime. Giants do see the A's again this year, obviously. Two games set in Oakland in August. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I'll go ahead and say it now. Those will be the two most populated A's home games of the entire year, but they will have to wait a few more months for those to happen. But uh, previewing the uh, the ins and outs of the series, uh, the Giants have one hell of a one-two punch throwing at the A's. It's the old Carlos Rodon TBD one-two punch. Like, Love it. I mean, Rodon obviously has been beyond dominant, and you put him up mm-hmm. against an A's lineup that is challenged, um, although they've hung in there. You, you got to love uh, his chances, but he's going to go up against Dalton Jeffries in the first game of this series. 
And, you know, he's pitched to a 1.17 ERA so far this year as well. So, you know, you're looking at a hell of a pitcher's duel in the first game of this series. Yeah, and, and just two names that, you you know, if you don't know the A's, Tony Kemp, Christian Pache. They're not bad. Not bad thus far. Here's the one that I want to know. I mean, obviously, he's got to get off the COVID list, so I don't know how long that's going to take. It felt like Yastrzemski was really coming around, and he's the guy, like, I need him back in the lineup. Obviously, health and safety protocols and all that stuff. But, man, I'd love to see him get that back going again because him at the top of the lineup, it was really starting to pay dividends. So I'm excited to get him back in there. Yeah, absolutely. And then the second game of this series, what a dynamic. And and, and I should ask you, by the way, uh, what should we do? And this is going to sound like a privileged question, but what should we do? on Wednesday night when game three between the Warriors and the Nuggets, I'm sorry, game five, Warriors and Nuggets is happening right on the other side of the parking lot. Game two between the A's and the Giants of, of that series, all of it, one's at 645, one's at seven. It's all going to be happening at the same time. Could be a whole lot of fun in the city. Could also be a total mess. <laughs> find your public transportation. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'm actually sitting here considering trying to peek my head into both of those games on the same night. Threading the needle. All yes. right. Yes. Mark Willard. I like that. Well, this is what I would call it is an elite second screen experience night. That's what it is for me. There it's going go. to be, I'm going to have the little second screen going on one of those bad boys, that MLB.com app, you know, it's kind of always in my lap at all times. And so I'm addicted to that. I'll have the dubs on the big screen because, you know, we're, we're in the playoffs. playoffs. And I'll have the giants in the little screen and I'll be taking my notes and, but yeah, it, hey, I guarantee you, you're not the only one. My buddy Dino, and he's going to dip back and forth. I know it because he's got season tickets for both, and that's all he's been talking about. I tell you what, though, I mean, I I love when the Giants play the A's. I still love that. And so, kind of going back to Me my too. my previous question, um, that that side, I, I know Giants and A's fans have their they've got their thing. Like it, it's it's a rivalry. Don't ever wear a split hat. Come on, don't you know none none of that stuff. So it's not. It's not all love over there, believe me, when these two teams play. Um, but that's also, like, that is that is the biggest part of sport in the end. That's like, what are the Giants without the Dodgers? What are the Dodgers without the Giants? You need that stuff. So as much as we root against those rivals, mm-hmm. I really don't want to see the A's go. I, I, I don't, I don't want to see it go this way, um, even if it's just for the sake of the Giants. Like, yeah. I love, I love, you know, we didn't, I mean, it's not like we grew up with this. They didn't have interleague play, but I love the energy of the A's Giants game. Sometimes it does feel like A's fans finally get out and they, you know, get to sort of let the stress of their situation off and, and go to a game. Um, man, if there's only two at Oracle Park this year, two at Oracle Park next year, I mean, are we down? Can I count on one hand how yeah, many times think- these two teams are going to play? As, uh, you know, inner area rivals. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's what we get this year. Um, I, I think that's all. I think that's all she wrote there, Mark. Uh, let me ask you before we get out of here. I asked you about the base stealing last episode. You know, the Giants and A's decorated, you know, crosstown rivalry. But more, you got players like Vita Blue who wore both uniforms. And I don't know if you know the whole trade thing. You know, they haven't traded with each other in like 40 years. Do you remember the guy that they traded? Way back when in the early 90s, do you remember what that final trade was between the Giants and the A's? Uh, remind me. It was a center fielder. He went to Cal Berkeley. No, it's not Stan Javier. 
Darren, Darren Lewis, Lewis. Yes. Was the last time these two teams had executed a trade for like 40 years between the two of them. It's just, it's kind of crazy whenever I think about it, like how come they've never done business with each other? Uh, you know what? I mean, uh, in a, in a mini way, uh, it is because of that rivalry, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there, right. I, I think there have been things that have matched up. You know, I, I, I heard a lot of Giants fans talk about Loriano when, yeah. when the A's were selling everybody off a handful of weeks ago. But you, you have to be very, very careful on that just from an emotional <laughs> standpoint. But then again, it's not like the A's care. The, the, you know, at, at what point, they don't <laughs> care what if their fans are mad. Obviously, they're trying to upset them, it seems. So... I, you know, I, I don't know, but I think that's my guess. My guess is there's, there's that emotional aspect of it that adds on to yes. the data and the money that you're thinking about when you're making a trade. Oh, well now Sam Lubman's coming in our producer. Birch Smith was acquired by the giants for cash from the A's <laughs> in 2019. If that doesn't speak to where we're at between yeah. these two teams, I don't know what else does. Well, and didn't Sky Bolt play for both teams last year? <laughs> yes. It wasn't a trade, yes. but didn't he play for <laughs> yes. both teams? He it, did. That's phenomenal knowledge. Best best uh, bad name uh, in, in, uh, in all of sports. I um, love it. All right, man. Yeah, it's Giants and A's, and then the Nationals are coming in, and then, man, this time next week, Dodgers and Giants. Let's go. Dodgers and Giants. Yeah, it's going to happen. Um, Looking good. Uh, Off to a great start in the National League. Both the teams atop the National League West. Brewers and Giants for one quick game on Monday. This is part of the makeup of the games that were lost because of the CBA negotiations. Kind of bad timing for the Giants with the pitching injuries they have. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not trying to stop off in the middle of Wisconsin on my way back to the Bay Area from the East Coast, quite frankly. I, I just, you, this is where you send all the youngins. You know, can, can we send the Sacramento team to go play Milwaukee for this Seriously. one game? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Geez. Well, we look forward to watching what happens and unfolds both in Milwaukee yep. and the Giants A's series as our next episode will be coming out Thursday after we know already what's going on with the Giants and the A's. For the Butcher Boy, Joe Sasky, I'm Mark Willard. This has been Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Make sure you are subscribed so you do not miss any of the content as we are the voices of you, the fan, back Thursday with another episode, and we'll talk to you then.